Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson Razor. Henson Razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. All right, so check this out. This happened about 15 years ago. I was 21 years old and living in my very first apartment. It was a small bachelor apartment in a sketchy area. I grew up in a town that was known to be rough and tough. I knew how to handle myself and I learned at a young age to keep my head down and not to go looking for trouble. My apartment building was behind a bar. A lot of the customers of the bar would stand outside to smoke, and when they stood outside to smoke, they would be looking at my apartment. Most of the people who were out smoking just kept to themselves. A few would nod and say hello if I passed by, but there were never any issues. Until one evening. One evening, I came home from work. I passed the bar and saw this extremely tall man outside smoking. As I passed, he stared at me. I gave him a slight nod, but he didn't acknowledge. He just continued to stare. It made me uncomfortable, but I didn't really think much of it. About an hour later, I hear a knock on my door. It was odd because you have to buzz people into the building. The building only had eight units, and I didn't really know any of the neighbors. I froze because I didn't really want to talk to anyone. But the knocking continued. I finally shouted out, Who is it? But there was no response. I shouted again, Who's there? And a voice says, It's Tom. I didn't know anyone named Tom, so I shouted back, I don't know anyone named Tom. You must have the wrong apartment. And the voice said, You may not know me, but I know you. Open up so we can talk. I went over to the peephole and it was the tall dude from the bar. I loudly told him to leave or I was going to call the cops. I heard footsteps walk away and I heard the building door open and then close and he was gone. Or so I thought. A few minutes later, I peeked out the window and he was standing in the parking lot. He seemed to be talking to himself. Now, at this point... I'm freaking out. I called my landlord who lived in the building next to me and he told me to call the police and that in the meantime, him and his brother would come check things out. Well, I call the police and I tell them what's going on. They said a car is on the way. Meanwhile, my landlord and his brother make their way to the parking lot and I watch out my window and I see them approach the tall dude tall dude takes one look and then bolts. My landlord and his brother try to chase him, but tall dude gets away. About five minutes later, the police arrive. I give my version of events and also a description of the man. The officer stares at me and says, well, we've had reports of a man matching that description who has been sexually assaulting women. Thank God you didn't open that door. A few days later, I get a call from that officer. 
He told me that part of their investigation was talking to the owner of the bar. The owner called the police when the tall dude reappeared after a few days, and the police responded, and they arrested him. So, tall, creepy dude from the bar. It was a close call, but I sincerely hope I never see you again. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Breast milk science. It's a thing. And it's our thing. We're Byheart. We're an infant formula company on a mission to get a lot closer to the most super, super food on the planet, breast milk. Our patented protein blend has more of the important and most abundant proteins found in breast milk. We're the first and only U.S.-made formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. We make our formula in our own factories in Iowa, Oregon, and Pennsylvania, using a small batch manufacturing process that works to preserve the integrity of our ingredients. We ran the largest clinical trial by a new infant formula company in 25 years and clinically proved benefits like easier digestion, less gas, and softer poops versus a leading infant formula. We were the first infant formula company to earn the Clean Label Project Purity Award. And while we've put a lot into Byheart, there's a long list of things you won't see on our ingredient list, like no corn syrup, no maltodextrin, no GMO ingredients, no soy, no palm oil. Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Two years ago, I moved to the UK for university, as I always wanted to go there and I just wanted to get away from my parents, as the situation at home was beginning to become too toxic for me. In first year at uni, I moved into a student accommodation and I met some really great people. It was a good year and without meeting my boyfriend, who I'm still with, and just enjoying my time away from my family and discovering what independence really means. Anyhow, as second year came by, I decided with some friends to move into a house rented by student accommodations, but at least we had our own house and we weren't restricted as much with noise and parties as living in a small shared flat like we were in first year. Now, here's a note. I had a ground floor room, and my window gave into a very small backyard in which I would go smoke every day as I am a smoker, and in which there would be a very thin wooden door giving in to the other side of the street, where you would put your bins and broken chairs at and blah blah blah. The door could only be closed and locked from inside the backyard, but since it was an old door, we had to attach some strings to keep it closed for good. I had neighbors on each side of the house, so we were surrounded by families and some other student accommodations. The neighbors on the right of us were five boys who looked way over the age of being in university. They were strange, so to say. I met one of them outside of our house one day because of a police intervention due to one of his flatmates attacking him and the others with a kitchen knife and burning their kitchen down. I heard some screams and so I went outside with my flatmates and saw one of them 
being covered in blood and cuts everywhere on his arm and a wound on his head inflicted by a kitchen knife. Me and my flatmates didn't know what to do, so we offered him our help to clean himself and we gave him an old t-shirt to change out of his bloody clothes. When we saw the guy who hurt these flatmates being escorted out by the police and into a van and driven off to be arrested. Now, I don't know anything more about these guys or the story and the police didn't really tell us anything else. Anyway, the guy who we helped was quite weird. I mean, he said a lot of BS and kept trying to grab me and flirt with me. And we noticed when we were helping him, he smoked quite a lot of weed but we didn't really care at the moment as we just wanted to make sure he was okay and we didn't really know him. Then after some time had passed, I would go to uni and come back home and see him quite often in the street and just never said a word to him again. But one day, he came up to me in the street while I went to the corner shop and started talking to me weirdly and I didn't feel comfortable at all with that for some reason so I just didn't respond to him. He then said, oh, that's okay. I'll just wait in front of your house then and we can talk more. No need to say, I was creeped out and just thought he was joking. So I bought my drink at the shop and I headed back down to my street. And as I turned into the street where my house was, I saw him with his flatmate sitting on my doorstep waiting for me. So I panicked and went back next to the corner shop and I called my only guy flatmate to ask him to open the door and to tell the guys to go away, but obviously he wasn't home and nobody else was either. So I literally just waited it out until they left one hour later and then I sprinted back home and I locked my front door. Now again, my front door had a glass panel on it where you would be able to kind of make out who was standing in front of it. After this already pretty scary encounter, I just tried to avoid the guy altogether and, you know, I mostly succeeded for a while. But then one day, as I went smoking in the backyard, I noticed that the wooden door, which is always closed, was open and the strings that we put there to keep it closed had been cut off. For whatever reason, I didn't think anything of it, and I just closed the door again and put a new string on it, thinking it was one of my flatmates who took the bins out and just forgot to tie it back. My weird neighbors would very often scream and yell and fight in their house, and it would wake me and my flatmates up in the middle of the night, but I guess we kind of got used to it after a while. But one evening, my boyfriend slept over like he usually did, and he, who usually never wakes up because of noise, woke up in the middle of the night because of a bang and some whispering. I was sound asleep, so he very silently woke me up, and we both just waited in the dark and listened for any other noises. Suddenly, we heard the wooden door bang. It just shot open and some footsteps next to my window. Now, I always had my window open because it would get really warm inside, so we both just froze. And then we heard the door leading to the backyard get shaken softly as if they were trying to get inside, but then they stopped. Luckily, we had the curtains closed so they couldn't see us, but we were ready to get dressed and get the frick out of the room and lock them in if they came in from the window. 
Then we heard my window move and then get more open, and one of the guys sang something in a different language that we didn't understand and started to hear them trying to get in. My boyfriend and I shot up out of the bed. I grabbed my phone, I put my clothes on, and I ran out of the room and then out of the house. So I then called my flatmates and told them to lock themselves in their rooms and call the police. Luckily, they arrived in less than five minutes as their police station were just a couple of streets down from us. I don't remember anything after the police came. I think me and my boyfriend were in shock. They ended up catching one guy, and the other guy fled, but he was later found just a few streets up smoking weed. The police later told us that they went inside their house and found a bunch of meth and heroin, and one of them was carrying a massive kitchen knife. I was so confused as I'd never done anything to offend or do anything wrong to my neighbors, so the idea of them breaking in with God knows what intentions with a kitchen knife terrorized me and my boyfriend. The two guys ended up being arrested and one of them was put in prison for two years for carrying a weapon with the intention to harm. I never heard anything else from the police and I moved back home a few months later because I was so scared and it tormented me for months on end not knowing what would have happened if my boyfriend didn't wake me up. I'm now still coping with it and I'm finding it really tough to get over. I'm always asking myself, what if, you know? I now very often wake up because of the slightest noise and I get horrible nightmares because of it. But hey, at least I'm still with my boyfriend and we talk about it a lot and that helps. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. I recently found this thread, so I thought I would share my experience. This happened when the Night Stalker show was really big on Netflix, so... It was fresh in our mind because we were watching it. Earlier in the day, I was in my room with my dogs and my roommate when we thought we heard the door open. We didn't think much of it until my roommate left the room a few minutes later and started screaming and the dog that followed her was going nuts as well. The front door was wide open and somebody saw her and fled. They had been in our house and presumably heard us in the room chatting while doing who knows what. The dog ran the person off. We were really startled, but we figured that it was over and we started locking the door and that was that. But later that night, as we were watching the last episode of Night Stalker, we heard the doorknob jiggle. Now, it's like 2am, so we paused 
and we looked at the door, kind of shook and confused. And when it finally registered what was happening, my roommate started to yell for them to go away and that the police were on their way. My dumb self isn't too fond of calling the police, so I hesitated, but then they started banging something against the door to try and break it down. I grabbed my roommate, the dogs, and my partner, and we all rushed into another room to put more doors between us while police were on the way. I also had to stop my partner from trying to go out with the sword because we didn't know what this person might have or be trying to do. Luckily, he couldn't break the door down before police arrived and he finally fled. They caught him and he fought, so he's in jail for a lot longer than he would have been. He admitted to the police that he heard women when he came into the wrong house earlier, but no man, so he thought he would come back to find a friend. They never found the weapon that he used on our door, and he won't say what it was, but it messed up the metal pretty badly. This happened about 10 years ago. I was in graduate school at the time, working on my master's degree for clinical social work. My practicum was at a confidential shelter which housed women and children seeking shelter from domestic violence. Since I was an intern, I worked a lot of late night shifts. After closing up the shelter, I headed home. It was after midnight and the roads were fairly empty. I lived in a smaller town at the time, so this wasn't entirely unusual. As I approached the stoplight, I noticed a man, just a few yards away, walking toward the crosswalk. I suddenly felt very anxious, and I had an unsettling feeling, so I immediately locked my car doors. This was before I had a car with automatic locks. I usually drove around without locking my car doors as I had never felt unsafe while doing so. I felt better after having locked my doors and I pulled up to the red light. Staring ahead, I noticed the man never crossed the street. I glanced to my right where I had seen him earlier and came face to face with his face pressed up against my passenger side window. I screamed, I honked my horn and I told him to go away but he continued just standing there, staring at me. Then he tried the handle of the door, without success. I continued screaming at him, honking my horn and waiting for the red light to change. The man straightened up. He stepped away from the passenger side door and moved quickly to my driver's side door, again trying the handle, but no success. He stood with a wide stance next to my car as though he was lunging. At that moment, I thought to myself, hey, screw it, and I slammed the gas and I ran the red light. The man kind of stumbled when I did this and I think I ran over his foot while I was escaping. When I arrived home, I woke up my husband to tell him and to call the police. The police never found the man as by the time they sent someone out, he was already long gone. The police officer did commend me though for running the red light and as well as for potentially running over his foot. So to the creepy man who tried to get into my car in the middle of the night, let's not meet. 
This happened when I was young. I was about 8 or 10 years old. I remember it perfectly, but I've confirmed the details with my mother, and the memory of it still sends chills down both our spines to this day. It was broad daylight on a Saturday, and I was in the town center with my mom. The streets were busy, and people were bustling past. We paused at a shop front that sold ornaments, you know, the ugly, old-fashioned kind that, uh, old grannies like. We'd often stop to look at them and laugh at how expensive they were, wondering how that place even stayed open. I was a real chatterbox as a kid and was talking very animatedly to my mom about something or other, facing her as I did so. Like it was yesterday, I remember her smiling face and how it suddenly dropped. Her jaw hung open and her eyes were as big as dinner plates. She just stared at me silently for a few seconds, then grabbed my arm and pulled me away. Her fingers were digging into my arm as she dragged me into the crowd, walking as fast as she could without running. Me being that kid, I squealed and loudly kept saying, What are you doing? Ouch! Mom, you're hurting me. That hurts. Where are we going? While trying to stop her. Well, she gritted her teeth and silently dragged me for about three streets before stopping somewhere less busy for a second. It was only then that she let go of my arm, rubbing it and looking extremely upset. Looking me dead in the eye, she explained that as I was talking outside the shop, she had noticed an old man stood behind me. He was dirty and disheveled, like the horror movie stereotype of a creepy old man. I had long, pretty hair as a girl and people stopped us all the time to remark on it, especially when I wore it loose. This old man had very gently lifted a handful of my hair in his hand and he was smelling it. He was tickling his nose as he did so. I was so clearly absorbed in telling my story that I hadn't even realized I was being touched. My mother made eye contact with the man as he opened his eyes while inhaling the smell of my hair. He gave her an absolutely nauseating, toothy grin, quickly dropping my hair and waving at her, waggling his fingers all cutesy-like, you know, whoopsie, you caught me, with that vibe clearly knowing exactly what he was doing. He then disappeared into the throng of people moving past. My poor mother immediately felt sick and just went into autopilot, dragging me away as fast as she could in the opposite direction. I didn't even know how to react when she told me what happened, except to be horrified and so glad that we had gotten away safely. I still walk past that shop and the memory of my mother's haunted expression makes me feel ill. So, creepy old man, let's not meet ever. Here's a very short but a terrifying moment. I had just finished going on a short night cruise with some friends. It was one of their birthdays. We had a great time. We did the uh, standard night out thing with dancing, meeting, and flirting with new people, just enjoying the summer night. It was midnight when I disembarked and entered the parking garage. 
I took the elevator to the bottom floor of the garage and got to the door of my car when I heard a loud bang of the door to the garage elevator slam open into the wall. I turned around to find a guy who was relatively tall and wide, maybe 300 pounds, screaming in this guttural rage, sprinting at breakneck speed toward me. He was surprisingly nimble and very fast for his weight, running in between cars in a straight line to where I was standing. His eyes were wild and open so wide you can see his entire iris with plenty of the whites of his eyes to spare. His gaze was locked directly on me. I was just frozen in absolute shock, confusion, and terror. I couldn't even think of the rational thing to do, which would have been to get in my car and lock the doors. There was no way a little guy like me could take this guy on and obviously seemed ready to beat me into a state of unconsciousness, or worse. I wondered whether I had accidentally hit on his girlfriend on the boat cruise or whether I was about to get mugged. As quickly as it started, when he was about three quarters of the distance from the elevator to me, he came to a complete stop. He stopped screaming, and his face relaxed into this neutral, placid, and blank, but still attentive stare. He proceeded to turn around and walk at a regular pace back towards the elevator. He pushed the button, got in, and left without ever looking back. I just stood there for a moment, nervously chuckled to myself, and, and I drove home. I'm assuming that I was getting trolled, but the odd thing was the two of us were the only ones on that level, and he didn't have any recording device that I could see. He had no one to show off to and nothing to post to YouTube to get views for a prank or anything. I didn't see anyone follow me into the garage entrance, and I don't know why he got off on my level to begin with. Was he expecting me to be there? And if so, how did he know that I was there? Do you have any thoughts on this? It doesn't make any sense to me. So, I'm 16 years old, 17 in one week, and I haven't had many interesting things happen to me that are worth talking about, but I wanted to share this experience of my mother's that she had while she was in college. It's something my family and I joke about with her now, but at the time, it greatly affected her life and was definitely a situation in which she feared for the worst. During the end of my mom's senior year of high school, she began dating a guy named Jeff. He was the type of person that everyone wanted to be around. He was funny, entertaining, just an all-around nice guy. However, they had been dating for almost a year when my mom realized that Jeff didn't necessarily, well, believe in a monogamous relationship. He thought it was perfectly okay that he be with other women while with my mother as much as he wanted, but my mom couldn't be with anyone else but him. It was all very contradictory, as he would fool around with other women, but he was really possessive over my mother and overall super controlling. Now, full disclosure, Jeff never laid a finger on my mom, but he was incredibly 
emotionally and verbally abusive. They dated on and off for a while, but once summer was coming to an end and my mom's freshman year of college was inching closer, she knew that Jeff wasn't good for her and she ended the relationship. Now, this is where everything starts to go downhill. My mom says that by this time, Jeff started to do drugs, which ones she didn't know, but they were enough to push him over the edge. They ended up both going to the University of Alabama, and it was then that the stalking started. My mom began to see Jeff everywhere. It was always when she was off campus, figuring that he wanted to ensure that she wasn't hanging around any other guys. They attended classes on opposite sides of the university, so she never saw him during school hours, but Jeff was still possessive and abnormally clingy even after they had broken up. At this point in the story, my mom is dating a guy named Chris. He was the typical, good-looking, rich guy that almost every girl had a crush on. They had gone out to dinner one night and headed back to his place for a movie, It should be mentioned that in Chris's living room, there was a large window in which you could see out into the street from where you sat. Chris and my mom were on the couch watching their movie when the environment shifted. My mom's eyes flickered over to look outside and standing under the dim yellow light of the street lamp at the corner of the sidewalk was Jeff, staring at my mom and Chris from a fair distance. This wasn't the first time that my mom caught Jeff following her, and being fed up with the bullshit, she marched outside and told him to leave her and Chris alone. Now, I'm not sure whether he left after that or not, but it was for sure not the last time she would have to confront him. During my mom's senior year, Jeff started to do more than just follow her around on dates. My mom lived in an apartment complex off campus at this time. It was a nice little area with polite neighbors that she quickly made friends with. Eventually, Jeff found out where she lived. He started to show up out of nowhere. Pretty much everyone who was close with my mom was aware of Jeff. She told me that she would be chatting with her neighbors in the apartment complex's courtyard when they would point out Jeff staring at her from outside the gate. They joked about it with her to ease the tension, but they knew how serious it really was. Jeff, at this point, started to become somewhat of a threat to my mom. On one particular night, my mom's roommates were not in the apartment with her. She didn't exactly know where they were, but she knew she would be the only one in the house that night. Her room at the time wasn't really dark. The curtains that she had covering the windows didn't do much as the light from the outside would still seep through. My mom has always been a very light sleeper, usually never getting a good night's rest as the slightest movement or sound wakes her. That night, something alerted my mother enough to disturb her sleep. Her eyes adjusted to the slight darkness and... Almost immediately, she noticed the figure of a man standing at the foot of her bed, peering over her body as she slept. My mom knew it was Jeff instantly, and she screamed angrily at him to get out of her house. Startled, 
She jumped from the bed, finding a window of opportunity to escape as Jeff began to move to the other side of the bed. My mom ran out of the complex, opening her front door to find two of her neighbors were already there. The walls of the complex weren't thick at all and so the screaming was able to get their attention. That was the night she finally called security on him. My mom told me that she lived on the first floor but still has no idea how Jeff broke in or how long he was standing there and what his intentions were. However, that wasn't the only time he broke into her apartment. Sometime later, my mom came home with her roommates after a night out. She was pretty drunk and so she didn't even make it to her room, passing out on the living room couch. She stirred awake after a few hours of sleep and feeling dazed, she noticed the silhouette of a person, once again standing still in her kitchen. In her drunken state, my mom figured it was one of her roommates, quickly shrugging it off and then falling back asleep. It hit her later on that the figure was indeed Jeff, and he had broken in just to make sure that she was at home and not out with some other guy. Jeff had broken into her house more than just those two times though, mainly when she wasn't home, and it angered him when he realized she could have been out with a guy that wasn't him. My mom finally drew the line when Jeff slashed all four of her car tires, thinking that it would prevent her from going anywhere. She filed for a restraining order immediately following that. She never knew what happened to Jeff after that. Turns out he was too busy following her around that he let all of his grades slip and he wasn't able to graduate that year. Some time passed and she married my dad, who was also attending Alabama. I always wondered what it was that drove Jeff from the basic douchebag boyfriend that cheated to a whole drugged out psycho that invaded the life of my mother for years. Alright, so check this out. This happened when I was about 15 in a little town called St. Helens just outside of Portland, Oregon. At the time, our family was really going through some tough obstacles. My dad had been acting very strange, talking to himself, and not acting as he normally did for a couple of days. His personality would change quite often, and now at the time, he wasn't diagnosed with schizophrenia, and we were trying to get him some help. Leading up to the night that I had seen this thing conversing with my dad... I had also experienced very strange dreams and it felt like I had been sat on by someone very heavy. I looked and no one was there. My brother had seen something that he called the garbage man on numerous occasions. He said it looked like a bag was over his head and was being sucked into his mouth and his eye sockets. It leaned over him and appeared to be very tall and he said this thing visited him several times. It was about 2 a.m. and I heard my dad talking to someone or to himself and at this point I had a routine of going and talking with him to calm him down. My bedroom had been right next to the kitchen and the bathroom because it was a very small house. 
I walk into the kitchen, which had been lightly lit by the outside lights, and the first thing I see is this very tall shadow figure in the doorway of the bathroom, and my dad standing toe-to-toe with this massive thing. He's mumbling something, and then he says loudly, Leave me alone. And I'm terrified, so I ran right back into my bedroom. My dad's mental state took a turn. It was a struggle for my family to get him any help. Eventually, things escalated, and my dad was considered a danger to himself and to others, and was finally able to get the help that he deserved. They didn't find drugs in his system and eventually did diagnose him with schizophrenia. I don't know why we saw this thing or why we knew what it was. I think it was preying on my dad's weakness. Can people with this mental illness see past the curtains? Since this day, that question runs through my head a lot. When my son was two years old, he started acting as if he was interacting with something or someone that his father and I could never see, like throwing toys down the hallway and then running away, just muttering words. When I asked what he was doing, he always told me that he was giving toys to the boy for him to play with, and there was never anybody there and it was always icy cold down that hallway leading into the garage. I'd ask him what the boy's name was, and he would tell me Don was his name. I asked what the boy was doing. My two-year-old said he was waiting for his mom to pick him up. That's what he always said. We put it down to some imaginary friend and nothing more. Harmless, we thought until he started waking up in the middle of the night, screaming, saying, Don won't let me sleep. He keeps tickling my toes. This sent chills down my spine, and so my son would sleep in my bed with me every night. This continued for another six months until the real estate notified us that the owner of the house had died and his children would be selling the property and splitting the profit amongst them meaning that, well, we had to get out of there. After we left, I came across a local news article about the owner of our old rental stating how much he'll be missed by the community. He had been raised by his mother in the house that we were renting since he was a kid. Then I noticed his name and everything came flooding back. His name was Don. My son's imaginary friend was our homeowner. He must have been waiting for his mother to come and take him to the other side. And you know what? I'll never look at imaginary friends the same way. I've been a skeptic, but always open-minded to the unexplainable. My parents believe in ghosts and have told me the stories when I was in my mid-teens about the first house that we lived in when I was a baby, as well as the interactions that I would have with ghosts as a baby. Now, here's what happened at 4.30am just a few days ago. 
I had stayed around my boyfriend's house for the night. I've never felt uncomfortable at night, but sometimes I feel like I'm being watched, but I don't know. I never think much of it. I woke up at 4.30 a.m. randomly, feeling odd like I was being watched. I turned to roll over, and as I got onto my back, I look up, and there's this old man floating above the far corner of the bed. He had messy, medium-length hair, but balding. He had missing teeth, blue and white striped pajamas, a leather brown book, and gray socks. He almost had this faint but mostly blue or gray glow around him, and he was extremely detailed, like he was in the light, despite the room being pitch black. I let out a surprised, oh, because I jumped at the sight, and he turned to face me, recognized that I could see him, and then it looked like he just shrugged. Then, as I'm shaking my boyfriend to wake him up, he turns and disappears through the ceiling. The last thing I see is his feet going through the ceiling. I looked online, but it's definitely not sleep paralysis as I was able to move and speak and blink. Even after turning to face my boyfriend and then turning back, he was still in the same position. I didn't feel threatened or afraid, just a bit shocked as, well, anybody would be. If anyone could help me or give me advice as I'm just confused but very curious, I've posted this on other subreddits in hopes that someone with more experience could possibly help. This next story quickly features the topic of suicide. If this is a subject that you are sensitive of and would prefer not to hear a story with that in it, you can use the timestamps to skip to the next story. In 2013, I was a freshman in college. Now, there are always university stories with haunted dorms, haunted rooms, haunted basements, so... I never thought anything of it when I heard that our dorm, Rogers Hall, was haunted. But within the first three weeks, five girls attempted to commit suicide by jumping off of the building. Thankfully, they were unsuccessful, but it for sure rocked us and made us start to believe that there may be an angry presence hanging around. One early morning, my roommate and I were asleep and we always left the TV on and we were always in our bunk beds. Now, this is pertinent to the story because normally my roommate couldn't get out of bed without waking me up. And when I woke up, I didn't have my glasses on, but I could see a girl standing in front of our TV. She had medium brown hair, she was wearing a gray sweatshirt and some jeans, and she looked like she was chewing on her sleeve. I thought it was my roommate and rolled over to turn on my desk lamp and to grab my glasses to ask her why she was up so early. When I flipped on the light and grabbed my glasses, she was gone, and I thought maybe my roommate just went to the bathroom, so I got out of bed and looked up at her bed, and she was still there, sleeping. I shook her awake and asked her how she got up there so quickly, but she had no idea what I was talking about. The same day, 
Maybe within a few hours, our friend that lived down the hall went to the communal bathroom and she was washing her face. The door to the bathroom was very heavy and it scraped the floor when you opened it. And she said she heard someone open the bathroom door and she saw someone walk behind her. She didn't think much of it because it was our whole floor's bathroom and girls were waking up to start getting ready for classes. On one side of the bathroom, there were toilets, and on the other side, there were showers, but there were sinks and mirrors in the middle for both sides. Our friend was on the side with the showers, and she said she saw the girl walk into the shower. As she was washing her face, she never heard the shower turn on, and she called over, asking if everything was okay. She even walked over there to see if the girl needed help, but no one was there. Nothing ever happened again to either of us that year, but, you know, it still creeps me out. Alright, a lot of things went down in this house, but out of all the spooky things that have happened to me there, this one just crossed my mind after 18 years. I was 14 years old, living in Orange County with my two sisters and my mom. We had a rough upbringing, so renting an actual house was like a dream come true for us at that time. Until we realized that we were living in a haunted house. I was with my mom the day that we rented. The garage was scary as hell, even in the daylight and with people around. It just always gave me this clustered feeling of something being there that I couldn't see. When the garage door was shut, it was pitch black. No light at all from outside could get through that garage door. During the summer, I would wake up early and I'd like to listen to CDs on my radio. So every time I came in or out, I made sure my bedroom door was shut because my mom liked to sleep in the living room on the couch right outside my bedroom. I would clean my room, the kitchen, and the bathroom before I would ask my mom if I could meet my best friend at our halfway mark. This particular morning, the funky, spooky things of the house started early. As I walked out of my bedroom, shut my door, and walked down the hall, passing two bedrooms to the restroom, I noticed something from the corner of my eye in the kitchen. It was like a silhouette of a person that vanished, which, you know, was normal for this house. My mom's bedroom was directly outside the bathroom doorway to the right, and it had its own private bathroom, which led to the garage. Well, as I was walking out of the restroom, I see a person walking into my mom's bedroom, like a woman, which I assumed was my mom since we were the only ones home. Thinking it was my mom, I was talking to her about leaving to go to my friends, and then the bedroom door shut in my face, and I just think, wow, she's rude today. And so I opened the door again and asked if I could go to my friends when her bathroom door started closing. When I opened the bathroom door and said, mom, I realized the garage door was wide open. Now, the garage door was heavy, and it didn't stay open on its own, ever, and it was pitch black. In that moment, I knew it wasn't my mom, so I ran out. 
I shut her bedroom door behind me and I started toward my bedroom when I noticed that my bedroom door was wide open. I was standing in my room, confused, and realized that my radio was off. I tried turning it on multiple times and until I noticed it was unplugged. I went to the living room to wake my mom up and asked if she had went into my room to unplug my radio and she said she didn't ever go into my room or touch my radio that morning because, well, she was still asleep. I don't even know why I had to ask if she went into the garage through her bedroom for clarification, but needless to say, that wasn't her either. She asked me to please not leave her there alone, but I did, and I still feel bad. Anyways, that night, I honestly didn't want to come back home, I know, whatever it was this time, it wanted me in that garage, alone. When I was around that age of eight or nine, my grandmother invited my sister and I to have a sleepover at her house. To summarize the day, it was like any other time with my grandparents. We went shopping. We played soccer in the backyard, we drew on the patio with sidewalk chalk, and overall, we had a very good time. When the day finally came to an end and I had to go to sleep, I didn't even think twice about it. I was exhausted after a long day of playing with my grandmother and my sister. I slept in my uncle's old room down the hall while my sister slept on the couch in the living room. All was normal until I felt somebody in the room. I've always been able to pick up on people's energies and tell if someone is in the room with me. I thought that my sister had had a nightmare and was going to talk to me about it, so I rolled over to make contact with her. But what I saw wasn't my sister. It was a very tall man who was staring at me. His arms were crossed and... Overall, his body posture was very angry and upset. At first, I thought it was my grandfather, but I realized almost immediately afterwards that the man in my doorframe was much taller than my grandfather. I got out of bed and walked over to this figure to find out that this absolutely wasn't my grandpa. This man's face was completely different. The way this man glared at me scared me so much, I ran right through him, screaming and crying to my grandmother. Now, flash forward a few years later, when I'm around the age of 12, my grandmother went through a whole box of vintage pictures explaining who these people were, and when she got to the one photo in particular, immediately the young man in the photo caused me to have a flashback to that night. When I asked who that man in the picture was, she started crying and said that it was her dad and that he had died very young. This story starts when I was about four or five years old and just before my family moved into our new house. It was the last night in my old house I slept on the bottom bunk while my sister slept on the top bunk. I was excited to be moving as there weren't many kids in my current neighborhood 
and I would also be getting a room to myself. I had this white kitten toy that I can't remember where it came from, but it would meow, it would purr, and it would also make biscuits. I think it also blinked. I was laying in bed, trying to fall asleep, and occasionally I would hear a noise and assumed it was my sister, and I would ask if she was awake, but she never answered me. I eventually got tired and stared at the top of my bunk. Another shuffling noise happened and I felt something on my blanket near my feet. I thought it was one of our cats, specifically my cat, Sid. Now, I wish it had been a cat. It was this black, shadowy mass that looked like a hand. I accidentally squeezed my cat toy too tight and it started purring. The hand began to move up my bed, feeling around, and I froze. This was around the age that I believed in monsters under my bed, so this was never taken seriously by anyone else. The hand crept closer and closer, feeling around until it found the tail of my kitten toy. It grabbed the tail, slowly pulling it off the bed, and I heard it hit the ground and then I heard it get dragged under my bed. I stayed awake for a long time after that, trying to make sense of what happened. Eventually, though, I did fall into a nightmarish sleep and was woken up the next morning by light coming through the window. I got out of bed carefully and looked under, expecting to see the toy, but it wasn't there. Eventually, my dad disassembled the bunk bed to move it and I spent the morning scouring the house trying to find my white kitten toy. I told my mom that I couldn't find it and I told my older brother and my older sister too, but nobody had seen it. Eventually, the house was empty and I was walking with my mom making sure that everything has been packed up and we weren't leaving anything behind and there was still no sign of my white kitten. We had to leave, though, and I kept thinking about that toy for a few more days, but it eventually fell out of my mind at some point. Now, fast forward a few years down the road, and I'm about 12 at this point, and we had been renting our old house out to a family. When they didn't want to renew their lease, we came up to clean up after they were gone. I was given the main floor to clean, my brother was given the basement, and my parents cleaned the exterior. I started in the living room, vacuuming and dusting, and then I moved on to the bedrooms. When I got to my old room, I pushed the door open and I looked inside. There, on the carpet, where my bunk beds used to be, was the white kitten toy. Half of one of its ears was gone. It was covered in gray soot like dust and matted beyond belief. At first, I was disgusted by it, not remembering the toy at all, and I went to pick it up by the intact ear and throw it away. Then the toy started purring and moving its fake paws like it was needing something, and I froze, staring at the toy before dropping it and the trash bag, walking out of my room, just needing to get away. The cat toy continued to meow loudly to the point that my mom came inside to look. She threw the toy away while I was drinking something outside 
watching my dad mow the grass. I could have marked it all off as just a coincidence. I mean, it was a pretty popular toy anyways, and I wasn't the only one that had one. But my initials were on the tag of that toy. This is one of my close and uncomfortable moments with something supernatural, and it still haunts me when I think about it. This just happened earlier this morning. I have sleep issues, so I'm always up long before daylight. I'm also the only one in the house that's up this early, besides a few of the dogs and cats. Around 4.30 this morning, I woke up and shuffled into the kitchen to make my coffee as usual. I can't drink hot coffee, so I make mine in the blender. I have this thing that every time I start the blender, I feel like someone's behind me. I always look, but no one's ever there. But still, I feel that way. My kitchen is at the back of my big old house, so when I'm standing at the blender, the laundry room with a half bath is to my left. Directly behind me is the doorway into the dining room. My bedroom door is on the right dining room wall, and in the back, there's another door into the living room, which is locked at night. So, I'm in the kitchen, and one of my dogs, Teddy, and one of my cats, Phoenix, are sitting on a chair next to me. I'm doing my thing, and I start the blender. A couple seconds later, Teddy growls, looking into the dining room. Phoenix is looking in the same direction, and I immediately get the feeling that someone's behind me again. I turn the blender off, and I looked, expecting nothing, as usual, but I see what looked like my husband going back into the bedroom. My bedroom doesn't have a door, so there's a curtain over it, and I saw him go through the door, just a quick glimpse, really, and when he threw the curtains back, one of my other cats, Thomas, attacked it. I stopped the blender, thinking, what the frick is he doing up so early? So, first, I thought he must have gone to the bathroom. We have an upstairs bathroom, but he'd have to unlock the door and walk upstairs, which he wouldn't do. And to get to the downstairs one, he'd have to literally squeeze past me through the door, and he didn't do that either. Neither of my kids had come in, and the house was silent. And so I walked into the bedroom, pretty much right behind him, and my husband is sound asleep, and so are the other dogs. There's no one there but me. But Teddy and Phoenix saw something. I know they did. So who went into my bedroom, and where did they go? Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com profits profit 23. 
Be enchanted this holiday season at Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights. Gather your friends, family, or that special someone and enjoy a leisurely half-mile walk along an elegant paved garden trail aglow with countless sparkling lights and see Vienna's Meadowlark Botanical Gardens as you've never seen it before. Sparkling. Your holiday season starts now. Don't wait any longer because capacity is limited. Reserve tickets today and be enchanted this holiday season at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. 